Welcome to the Encore Entertainment Podcast Network, your daily soundbite of inspiring and candid conversations from the popular digital magazine. This is your daily soundbite with artist interviews and more. You have the new CD out uh, live in Ghana, so just tell us about that and about the experience of recording that. Well, I would say that it was a, um, a great honor for me to go to Ghana, and actually was an assignment. Um, I woke up one day, I'm a man of faith, a strong faith, and the Lord told me that you have to do your next album, and you should do it in Ghana. And he literally gave me specific instructions. And at this time, um, right before I was told to do this, um, he told me to get rid of the industry and focus on ministry, so I had fired all of my, uh, well, not fire, I had to end my assignments with my managers. I had two managers that were trying to make me this new Don McClurkin. Uh, I had uh, Vicki Mack, uh, you know her from Dr. Center. She was my uh, regulator I was fine to. Um, so many other producers, I mean, great producer, Eric Dawkins, the Sal Benford, um, so many great producers. And I had to literally end everything all at one time. And because I was obedient to the Word of God that came upon my life through Benny Hinn and um, Robert Lairdon, I literally said yes to him. This is in August. Three months later, God said, now you go to Ghana, do your next recording in Ghana, and you are not to ask a dime for it. You're not to charge. You're not to ask for sponsorships. And I had to trust God all the way. And from November to nine months later in July, I was able to raise, at that time, it cost me $30,000. I'm a little far over, about 40000 now. I raised it by doing Uber, singing in churches. And on that day of July 21st, a year ago, we actually did the Chamber Expense, my very first live recording, with so many people coming from near and far. You talked about, uh, you know, listening to God and being obedient to, to His voice. Can you just, you know, and a lot of people may struggle with that because it's, it's so hard. It's so hard to, you know, make a step, especially like a step like you did. So any advice or encouragement you can offer to others who might just feel have that fear of doing something like that uh the encouragement would be is that follow your heart um so many times we always go back and we always say i should have done it i knew i should have listened to myself follow your heart you would never go wrong when you follow your first instinct in your heart that is your consciousness that is where i have learned that every single time i try to follow somebody else's opinion it always goes the opposite way and I always tell people, follow your heart, because at the end of the day, you have to live with the consequences and the responsibility. And if you trust God all the way, I really believe that, he, like you said in his word, that he will make a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert. And guess what? He will never leave you for faith, because he has not done it to me yet. I'm a man of master faith. Well, I speak to God that you have until this time tomorrow to get it done. And because of my relationship with him, and because I have dividends with him, he actually performs it. So I'm telling people to get into your word, not just quote scriptures, not just, not just to meditate and pray when you feel like you're going through things. Do it constantly, because when you have that relationship, you have that phone tie with them, you'll be able to quote uh, and believe and actually declare your life. Like when the Bible said, faith is a question, but they get that same word, the word before it said, now faith. Now, now yeah. faith, that means right now you must take a different posture and not worry about tomorrow's faith or yesterday's faith, but now faith. And that's what I walk in. I would encourage everybody to walk into now, your now faith. You know, we have many artists who are now doing recordings in uh, other countries and experiencing, you know, different cultures, and a lot of them are coming out with different 
takeaways, like how the worship experience is different from, you know, in places like Africa than compared to the U.S.? Can you just yeah. talk about how your experience was? And is there some things you think maybe uh, in the U.S. that we can, you know, pick up from them or maybe kind of uh, uh, learn from them? Well, I would say my experience in Africa has been uh, a blessing. Um, the worship there is like none you have ever encountered. Um, they praise God from a, a depth, a depth, and a deep uh, uh, source, a uh, deep energy. They praise God even when they are going through medical issues or financial issues. They give God their best 100% of the time. I think a lot of times um, the, uh, that the United States used to look at Africa um, as a poor country, but they're not poor. When I tell you, even the poorest man look rich. Um, this generation here in the United States, I really believe when we go back to worship where it comes from the purest format, not a two songs that we got to move the next crowd out, because um, a lot of times we have this thing called fabricated worship, I call it. It's what we see on YouTube. We see what P.D. Jake did last week, and then we try to copy the same songs. We see what Tasha Cobb did at Relentless Church, and we copy the same songs and think we're going to have the same impact in our services. But then we go to church, and we really don't have an encounter. We don't really know God's presence. We really have not seen the miraculous take place. But in Africa, it happens. They'll be praying worship for hours. Hmm. I've been in services where it's six hours. Like, they're going to pray and worship. I'm like, okay, y'all got to pick me up when it's time for me to sing, because this, this is a long time. But I believe in the United States, and we go back to that, where the psalmists really enjoy singing and not trying to get a paycheck, as the psalmists really get before God, and you be, they'll be able to write their own songs and not copy other people's songs, and we feel like, hey, we got to sing this Todd Delaney uh, hook because it, it works for this church, but it may not work for this church. I and mean, every atmosphere, every every assignment, even in a hospital, has a different uh, uh, flow. You can't go to a heart surgeon and try to get uh, weight medicine. You know, you got to go yeah. to that doctor who specializes in weight medicine. So I really believe that the United States just needs to get back, from my experience, to that place of really authentic, true worship. I'm talking about the day where Judy McAllister and the gay art buckle and the, uh, uh, Stephen Hurd and Frida Battle, those are pioneers of worship, and we didn't have who's the next foul, who's doing the fancy runs and all those things. I'm talking about when it was pure in its purest format, but I believe the United States is going to look towards Africa, and from what you really see with our, and, uh, with our eye, I believe they'll be able to actually uh, embrace that culture, but I have no... I have um, nothing to host in the United States, but I believe we'll get back to that place in God. So do you believe that as far as the industry as a whole, that we there's a lot of work to be done or we kind of, like, how do you feel about the music, the state of gospel music as it is now? Well, I can truly say I literally left the state of the United States gospel music and I created my own industry. I created my own platform, okay. uh, my own stuff. I've been in Africa 14 times in the last two years. I bought me some land over in Africa. I sing in five different languages. And I always tell people, when they see people's um, grace upon their life, God's giving you your own grace. So what if you're not reaching millions of people, but reach the people that you have? Um, and use those people because one could chase a thousand, but two could put 10,000 in fight. If you use those people, you never know that the people God has signed to you can be the next president, can be the next CEO. I think in gospel music here in the United States, and I think I know for a fact, because I was faced against it, we have compromised. We have compromised our spirituality. We have compromised our ethics. We have lied on TV sales. We have lied and, 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 and had fornication with different, I'm being honest, pastors and, and, uh, and leadership just to get on platforms. 
we and we we really have really lost what it is to choose the true psalmist, uh, uh, the anointing of a psalmist. The Bible says that these are who David has set upon to rule over the music industry. These are who he has anointed. And in that, the church responsibility was to automatically take care of its Levites. It's never for us to go out and, and prostitute our gifts and charge this church 5000 and then we go to the small church because we have a cell phone bill that needs to be paid. We charge them $500. And we go over here because we want to be seen. We do it for free, and people don't know that we pay for ourselves to get here. And I really think we have compromised to the point where it now became a race of competition. It's not even fun no more for the gospel artists. It's not fun because their songs are not living for, for history, like uh, um, Tremaine Hawkins, a wonderful change in Israel, who uh, got the song for South Africa, you are Alpha and Omega. You know what I mean? Our songs that we are birthing are not living past two or three years. We sing it, we move on to the next thing. But I believe if we get rid of the, the compromising and really do a self-evaluation, and God can restore it, and he can restore the music department, the music industry here. Record companies ain't doing, having fun no more. They're looking for um, artists who already have a, a numbers. They're not, they, they don't, they, I call it the very Gordy anointing. They don't know how to go back and birth and, and create new artists that is in the storefront churches, and we go and make it easier. Oh, yeah, we're doing um, this artist, but this artist already has 100 million followers. So I'm looking for those, uh, um, those uh, uh, underdogs to come out um, in gospel music. And I look at the last five years, there has not been any new gospel artists yeah. that had made it to the mainstream platform in the last five years, besides Travis Green and, and the Jonathan Reynolds. But that's when I felt like the industry was taking a turn anyway, with this new iTunes and digital streaming. But I believe that even with gospel, we hold something special. We hold a spirit that it can't be duplicated. We hold some, it's a kind of medication. It's kind of here. You need some philosophy, you go get some gospel music. It will uh, restore, it will heal, it will deliver and set you free no matter what mood you're in. Oh, definitely. And I, I definitely agree with um, everything that you said. I mean, okay, you know, I look at a lot of what's going on on, you know, the charts and, you know, you see, you see a lot of stuff that was back in the day, you know, still up on, you know, in the, the top 10, like stuff that came out years ago, many years ago, that's yeah. dominating the charts and stuff that's come out that's new is, is, you know, struggles, struggles to make it. And then you see, you know, always kind of like the mainstays who are up there. So I, I definitely, I definitely see that. And I see that there's still, you know, areas where we can make improvements. I mean, now we got, you know, Kanye's dominating the gospel charts now. So I think that, mm -hmm. you know, there's definitely a lot of um, work that we get to be done. I thank you for sharing that and your, your honesty with that. And, you know, you know, I do Uber. I don't know if you know. I'm the Uber praise guy. So I'm one of those artists. I tell everybody, everybody know. I do Uber um, <laughs> because when I get tired of singing in churches, got to have another skill. And I believe God has given us as ministers other skills that we have to sharpen. But when I get all my secular people who don't go to church in my car and I play gospel music, they remember the Yolanda Adams, the Fred Hammond. They like those songs. They really don't really like the new stuff I play. They like mm -hmm. the old school stuff like Shirley Caesar. You know what I mean? They remember those songs because they, they have meat. And these people don't even go to church. These people are weed smokers. These people mm -hmm. are, you know what I mean, coming from uh, dysfunctional homes. But when they, when they got to go to the rock that is higher than that, they, they go to a place of those songs and the battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. And I had a praying grandmother from here, Helen um, Bella. Helen Bella, they go to those songs every single time. Even when they get in my car. So I really believe that we can write our own lyrics and be like the Andre Hawkins. And like you said, be like the Tremaine Hawkins and the, uh, the Clark Sister and Twinkie um, Clark that write songs that will live 
for 40 years. They're like Smokey Robinson. His songs are still living. He's still reaping out the stuff he did in the 60s. Hmm. And I think that we can literally do those things if our words are biblically sound, scriptural sound, and come from a place of, 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 of true worship. And I believe we can get back to that place. We also know that you are a former uh, lead singer for Ricky Dillard and New G. Can you just talk about like, how was that and what this, was there any things that you picked up from him that helped in your career today? Well, I can truly say, singing with Ricky Villa and New G was fun. They had a fun group of people. I'm telling you, it was fun. I remember times, it, it, it taught me a lot uh, when it comes to the industry, uh, being with them. I, we'd been on a bus, and a bus broke down, then on airplanes, can't get on, and those credit cards didn't go through. We have experienced good times. We have experienced some bad times. But it really taught me really what the industry is. And the important thing I've learned from Ricky Villa and New G was to build relationships. When you go behind stage and when you connect with the audience, when you connect with the promoters, keep those relationships going because in 20 years, you're still going to need it. When you, your music is dead and no one's calling you, I'm calling to Bobby Jones Syndrome. He used the same musicians for 20 years, Tony Williams and all of them, and for years, he didn't switch over. And because of you have relationships, you have, you have loyalty and you have a, a allegiance with people. But when you find yourself in a deep, dark place and not having work, that you can call those people and they still honor the grace that you walk in. But seeing with Ricky Miller, I learned so much even from the industry. It really was my launch into the mainstream industry that I ended up getting a song that um, Karen Clark came on the end, which was the sweetest name. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I learned protocol. There's some decisions I made. I'm speaking to those artists out there that get some big hands too soon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's some decisions I made. I have to go back and really do a self-evaluation of my life. And when you do that, God will open more doors for you. People can see, like, this man is different. Uh, if it wasn't for Ken Franklin, she's from Nashville, Tennessee, checking me at the Stellar Awards on my attitude back in 2011. Hmm. What I have experienced now, sitting with presidents, sitting with um, big high art pastors and officials and dignitaries, I would never have experienced if my attitude did not change in 2011. So Ricky Dillard was a part of helping me change my attitude from some things that happening, And I never looked back. I never look back, and I love gospel music. I love my passion of singing, and even if I didn't get a dime, I would still be singing. I'm 40 years old. I've been singing for 33 years. Even if I did not get a dime, I would still be singing. Any last words you want to leave with us about this CD, like how you want people, how you want it to affect people, what you want them to get out of it, and where we can um, access it? Hey, so they can access the CD every all digital platforms. I'm old school. I'm going to be having digital copies, physical copies. I'm going to be going to your church. I'm going to be selling out of my trunk of my car. But I want people to listen to this CD and go back to the place where they first found their love for what they did in music and in worship and even in devotion. We have songs on here that I brought back. You are my hiding place. I was written 40 years ago. And I literally brought it back because I don't want the young folks to forget about those songs like Tears So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, those songs that really have depth and really mean in spirit. And those songs that are on this new album, Live in Ghana, it is a declaration that you can dream big. And if you dream big now, everything can open up for you. And don't wait 10 years, because 10 years will fly by, and you could wish you have done it differently. So do it now. And I am a witness. If I can go 9,000 miles to do this recording, you have no excuse. Anything that God has given you to this day, you have no excuse. If I can do it, you can go way beyond me. So those who are listening, uh, to my brother, Dr. David Wallace, I'm telling y'all, you have no excuse. 
if God said you're going to do it, you have trust in your body, you can conquer this world. So I, I really want everybody to conquer this world go further than me. Thank you for listening to the Encore Entertainment Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share with a friend.